What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. What's in the box? Oh, seven. I like that. And we are here. Welcome you to the next latest edition of Fanning the Flames podcast. Numero dos. Fanning the Flames, numero dos. Me. Each me. Look at you, Japanese. (laughs) I took a semester of it. That's right. You were a Japanese major in college for like a week, right? No, I was. A, that was my language for a semester. I was just trying to make you sound cooler by saying you were a Japanese major and you like, well, didn't me? didn't pick up pick no. up the. So you, 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 you it like, wasn't. You like the Asian persuasion, hard. dude. It's fine. Hey, no fault in that. Anyway, <laughs> fanning the flames Stay podcast. <laughs> Thank you as always for joining us. Um, I'll guess I'll start by saying Brightside Night. Thank you, everybody that came out. Yeah, to Brightside Night. It was a blast. Um, we got to meet some fans. Yeah. that we interact with sometimes on Twitter. That ridicule us on message boards. Whatever. It was. It yeah, was fantastic. It was good times. Can I point out too? Uh, we didn't talk about this before, but I will say. You know what my favorite part about Bright Brightside Night was, Paul? No. First of all, I will say also it's lovely. Wonderful to see your face again. We haven't recorded face to face in a while. It has been a bit. Looking you in the eyes as I ask you questions. Yes. It's it's a lot better than I, doing I had it the over. Plague last week. So. <laughs> Thank you for not having the plague now. Right? Do you just not like? Does the plague go away? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Most um, people die from it, but some, <laughs> you, some of us are strong of heart. <laughs> not Paul Bichelia. You just beat that. You beat that. My favorite part of Brightside Night was uh, James Jones. Yeah, it was great. Saying, and I quote. Robert gets a bad rap from people <laughs> because I've been saying that for years and I said this to you that night. I think I said it to Dave Hunter. I said it to like a dozen people and I go, <laughs> now I have my new 1A argument when people say, why do you support Robert Sarver? Because James, James Jones, Jones says it's cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but no, Brightside it was awesome. James Jones was phenomenal. Uh, you, I think, pointed out on Twitter that he should be put in front of the microphone more often by the Suns. Yeah, he did a great job. He was, you know, we didn't really know what we were walking into because he hasn't really done a lot of interviews for the Suns. So we weren't sure if he was going to, you know, how engaging he was going to be. But he was great. He told some really good stories about his time with the Suns, uh, with uh, playing with LeBron. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, he had a really long career spent – on a lot of winning teams, and just, he knows like how to win basketball, and hopefully he'll be able to bring that to the Suns. Absolutely, and I I, I think something that was very uh, uh, encouraging uh, from his discussion as well was uh, uh, how he kind of laid out exactly what type of players the Suns are looking for. Yeah. Uh, you know, he said we're looking for basically said you know guys that can shoot, that can play defense. <laughs> And that can spread the floor, regardless of whether they're, you know, a quote-unquote one, two, three, four, or five. They're looking for a certain set of types of players, which I think as a Suns fan was encouraging knowing that they have a, plan. an image. They have it planned. They have, they have this, this uh, idea that they have for this roster and what it's going to evolve into. Uh, and it he, sounds he, like they're going... They want to go Warriors style, that kind of positionless-ish basketball right. of like anybody can kind of be anywhere and 
anybody can spread the floor, so it's a, everybody's a threat. Exactly, exactly, and not, not not like the positionless that you had talked about a couple of weeks ago, where it's like a position that's still positionless, but not quite positionless. When you're talking about Doncic, I don't remember exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, but I feel like he says something to that effect. So, <coughs> at any rate, um, wow, that took me like a minute and a half to hop onto a subject that we didn't talk about discussing already. <laughs> story of our lives so all right anyway again thank you for coming out to Brightside night it was a blast if you didn't make it this year come out next year uh big ups to dave for putting all that together he yeah he, he does a great job every year uh getting folks to come out to that game getting folks to donate to a great cause and we did great this year what was it like 2100 2200 yeah absolutely uh, props Tons to the props to the Pacer fans for donating too, even yeah, I think from distance. Like 100, yeah, hundred plus tickets. Can't complain about that. So, at any rate, now should we should we get onto the topics we actually planned on discussing? Yeah, let's hit that rundown. Let's 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 hit this rundown. I love it. Okay, so first thing, Suns have, you know, they went through that little streak a few weeks back where they won like what. Three of five, five four of seven. six, five, yeah, whatever it Something. was. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, man. Super excited. Yeah, this is the Suns team. Hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's, start getting, let's start getting super excited about it. And then, like, things kind of fell back down to earth. You know, the Suns yeah, started, started being the Suns. harder teams. Yeah, they, exactly. Teams. <laughs> which I feel like somebody talked about how their schedule is going to get harder. Who was that? You? <laughs> no. No. Jeez, man. I feel, to like, take credit for I feel things. like I feel like I might have mentioned that last podcast, but at any rate, uh, the schedule has kind of evened out for them, and by evening out, I mean gotten back to the harder side of it. So they've lost some games here, um, but one thing that we wanted to discuss was the fact that while the Suns might be losing games, they are a fun team, no matter what to watch. Exactly, and uh, early on in the season, in fact, beyond before the season even started. Um, Zach Lowe had uh, put something on ESPN that was basically his uh, league pass rankings. league pass ranking exactly, and you know t- t- to his credit, the Suns came in at twenty seven, but he said that this team is too enjoyable to fall that low in the league pass rankings. Well, but nonetheless, Earl Watson was still a coach when he did. That's that. true, <laughs> <laughs> and now we watch him on ESPN, or ESPN on NBA, NBA Network TV. tonight. Yeah, and he just kind of sits there and doesn't really do much. Um, but, you know, he, he came in and said that they were going to be 27th in the league pass rankings, and I think that the, they've absolutely belied that type of ranking. They've, they've been very enjoyable to watch this year, um, and, and we brought this topic up because if, if anyone out there that listens doesn't frequent barstoolsports.com, you should start. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a barstool, a stoolie, if you will, a barstool fan since like 2007 and that website has gone from entertaining to ridiculously amazing like they're just like (laughs) the content yeah they're they're turning into a media empire and one of the guys who actually does a lot of uh, he does nba rundowns every day couple days no every day some days does he okay well for for the most part every day and uh also covers the celtics for them because well barstool's now off in New York, they're originally green, Boston right? based. Yeah, they're orig- originally a Boston based website, yeah, uh, I and it's green. Check wasn't my cousin. I'm sorry. I had to double check that he wasn't my cousin. You thought Greeny was your cousin? His name's Dan Greenberg. Oh, and he lives in Boston. So does my I, cousin. I didn't realize your cousin lived in Boston. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> I also didn't realize his name was Dan Greenberg. Yeah. But at any rate, Greeny said earlier this week, he said, uh, after the Suns, what game was it? Um, what was the last win the Suns had? The nug- it, wasn't it was the, the Nuggets, Nuggets game. I Nuggets think it was game? after the Nuggets game. He said that, and I quote, the Suns are the perfect, they stink and never win, which is ironic to say after a win, but they stink and never win, but are really fun to watch team. Actually, it, it might have been after... Can I finish my quote, Paul? Well, I just want to say it might have been after the game where Booker dropped 45 and lost to the Trailblazers. Well, let's go with that then. We'll go with that. Seeing that he's you talking couldn't, about you couldn't, you couldn't wait nope. for me to finish the last no. 37 words of my quote. It's a long quote, so yeah. it's, I, I'm not going to blame you too much there. <laughs> I'm going to start over, though. He said, and I quote, The Suns are the perfect, they stink and never win, but are really fun to watch team. You know some bad teams can play just brutal basketball and be a bore to watch? That is in no way the case with Phoenix. Which, again, is completely contradictory what you know Lowe's rankings had been earlier this year. And I, I think, frankly, uh, you know, completely opposite to what people would have thought in general about the Suns coming in. Those of us who aren't paying attention to the Suns, right. recognizing that you've got guys like Bender, like Chris, like uh, what's his name, Devin Booker, yeah. um, who are developing into uh, solid players towards Star. superstars, superstars, superstars Paul, in the NBA, and and Super. you know, <laughs> and while the Suns still aren't getting you know as much credit as they should be getting, the Booker's not getting as much credit as he should be getting amongst the mainstream media. Or the fans. It's nice to see people that actually pay attention to the games, really. Yeah. Like, and Greeny, yeah. like, does a great job. He breaks down every, yeah. almost every game, Paul. Almost every game. He breaks down these games, pays attention to, you know, each team regardless of East Coast, West Coast, good, bad, whatever, and does a really good job doing so. It's good to see the Suns getting that type of positive publicity. Recognition, Exactly. What do you think, Paul? I've I've completely <laughs> monopolized all of this except for your rude interjections. <laughs> right, now are we gonna flip that and I'm gonna get a lot of rude interjections. No, I'm just from gonna you? sit here quietly, like the polite, <laughs> respectful young man that I am. I mean, they definitely have well, well, turned into. Well, let me into, say really. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> gone. They definitely have turned into a, as you said, a fun team to watch. I think that's what a lot of us were hoping going into the season is. We're going to get a team that's going to lose a lot, but they're going to be competitive, and they'll occasionally like pull out like an exciting win. Mm-hmm. We didn't want a depressing season where they're losing every game and losing by a lot. We wanted them to be competitive in those games, and that's what they're doing. And, you know, competitive basketball is fun basketball. So, sure. I mean, blowouts aren't fun. Um, so See first three games of the season, yeah. Earl Watson. Blowouts are only fun if you're the, the team that's winning. True. Because <laughs> then you just get to get True. more excited about watching the score go up, like the Warriors a couple seasons ago when they all the starters got to sit every third quarter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so it's, they're turning that corner that we were hoping for of being, you know, you start being that competitive team that's in the games, and then you start learning how to win those games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the next phase, and a lot of that kind of comes with figuring out who is the next guy to kind of make that next leap. You know, whether it's you know Bender, Chris, Jackson, Booker, somehow making another leap. Oh, he's got leaps. He's got le- leaps. He's and got bounds. bounds as well. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and then putting that together and just being able to 
or even it's whoever the next guy is that comes in, whether it's, it's an acquisition or uh, through the draft or a trade, mm-hmm. um, being able to get that those guys who can really close out those games and maybe even actually start running away with some games. Because, as I said, those are kind of fun, too, mm-hmm. to be on sure. that side. So it's progress. I think that's really what we're asking right. for. Well, I mean, and, 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 and progress is the perfect word for it because you look at this team – as it was constructed and as they played last year, being a team that you expected to lose pretty much every game, uh, you wouldn't be surprised if they got blown out. And now it's almost trending towards you're surprised if they get blown out. Yeah. And you're not expecting them to lose every game. You know no. there's that glimmer of hope because, well, frankly, you've got Devin Booker who's going to give them an opportunity. He's, he's, he's that type of player that has... The ability to take over a game as we've seen him do right. and and bring the Suns from a position where you're thinking we're not going to win this game to maybe we'll win this game or to we win this game and you now also see guys who are the you know the secondary players and I'm not even going to include TJ Warren in that because he's been consistently solid yeah, he's not the a Suns. secondary player um but you, you you see games where guys like Dragon Bender step up Marquise Chris steps up Troy Daniel steps up Josh Jackson steps up Alex Len steps up god god knows you can pretty much run down the roster and say there are games where each one of the other guys on this team who Maybe if you're on the outside looking in, not a Suns fan, not paying attention to everything, every game, um, their afterthoughts to where these guys suddenly, any given night, can come in and become a very, very, very instrumental part of a push to win a game or a win. Right. And, and like you said, it's progress. Right. It's no longer the, I'm going to watch and see... You know, if somebody does something interesting, it's now I'm going to watch and see who does something that's going to give the Suns a chance to win this game and how exciting it's going to end up making this game. They are a fun team to watch. Quick tangent. Go on. Um, and I, I just remember this when we are in that conversation, but the Suns are really close to setting an NBA record for consecutive games um, with a three-pointer made. They're at, uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks currently hold it with 1,008 games, and the Suns, as of tonight, I think are at 1,005. Really? Yeah. That is a, that's a, that's a great tangent. It's, that's, that's, that's like a ridiculously obscure stat, and I'm very go, proud of you for coming up with It's a streak that goes all the way back to, I think, the early Nash years. Sure. Well, I mean, we're over 1,000 games, yeah. so that's more than a yeah, decade. You're looking at 82 games. Yeah, you got to be... Yes, math. Yeah. Aren't you the CPA, not me? I use calculators, man. Head math is never my thing. Head math. <laughs> Head math. I like that. Is that like weird? We'll have, like, we'll have to use that as like a regular thing now. Head math. Um, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't to know what else. To make at least to... one three-pointer for that many games. I, I, I really don't know what else to say about that besides that's pretty incredible. Although although I feel like... like wouldn't you assume most games out of a year, like a team makes a three pointer, but still, it's like the longevity of that, right? Is, exactly. Is I like that. That at some point they just had a, it's ridiculous. Right. Point. It's kind of like one of those stats. Like in the, I'll use a, another team that we root for, the Chargers. They shut out. I think it was the Giants. They shut some. Yeah, it was the Giant. No, it wasn't the Giants. They shut somebody out this year 
and it was the first time that team had been shut out in like 23 years, which was the longest streak in the NFL at the time. And yeah, I, I missed that stat. <laughs> I might have made it up, but I'm pretty sure it happened. Uh, and, and it's kind of one of those things where, okay, you, you don't really you, – you kind of take for granted so the fact that somebody in all likelihood is going to score points in an NFL game. Right. But the fact that you can still not get shot for a certain amount of time is impressive, just right. like the, the three-point thing. So I, I think actually on a semi – yeah, on a related note, um, Troy Daniels also just set a three-point – record tonight paul look at you with all the 27 straight games with a three-pointer sun's franchise record really yeah now see now that one's more impressive to me personally a thousand games i can see that yeah because it's one individual (laughs) i like how you doubted me for a second then then agree that i was right and it was the chargers shutting out the broncos for the record um okay so let's move on to another topic that we were not planning on discussing, but I'm going to bring up now okay. because you, you kind of touched on it. You alluded to like the next guy to break out for the Suns. Yeah. Um, you know, Booker's had like his like 47 breakouts in the past two years. Right. Um, who do you He's think like that's going to be? two years ahead of where anybody expected him to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Who do I think it's going to be? According to jazz fans, he's no Donovan Mitchell. I know. <laughs> I know. Come on. Hey, jazz fans, you guys are idiots. Go on, Paul. So who's, who's the next? Who's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Who's the, who's the next breakout going to be? Honestly, I, I want to say I think Jackson's really starting to come on. Mm. <laughs> Are you just saying that because I'm no, sitting here? No, I think he's starting to be consistent. Mm-hmm. He's, he's slowing down. Mm-hmm. He's getting himself under control. Mm-hmm. And I think he's starting, to, he's starting to pick up on the defensive end as well. But he's really just kind of starting to put it together as like an overall game and not just relying 100% on his athleticism. He's going back to, because when he came in, he had, we, everybody talked about his like basketball IQ and his, um, you know, his court vision and things like that. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, he, you know, he's got, he's, he's a five tool player. He's got all these, he's got all these different components they can do. He can rebound, he can pass, he can score. I mean, the only thing they said he couldn't do a shoot. But even that's kind of turned around in more re- recent uh, days. Don't bitch about the hitch. <laughs> Just saying. But I think he's re- he's really starting to come on in a way similar to he got that opportunity when uh, uh, TJ was out for a little bit mm-hmm. and he kind of he ran with it. I mean, the team wasn't didn't do great during that stretch, but that's just because. TJ is a consistent like twenty three points that you really there isn't anybody else who kind of makes that up. Sure, but I think he's really starting to round into that first phase of what we think he can become. And if he keeps that up, similar to how Booker did that his uh, rookie year, and then he, I mean, he may have a stumble in his sophomore year, similar to sure. Booker. But you know, if he can build on that and grow, and even still, if we, you know, we get other players in around him that kind of complement and balance those skills to free him up to do what he does best. I think we can see him grow a lot. Right. And, and, you know, it's funny because I didn't plan on you saying that obviously, because I didn't plan on bringing up that question. <laughs> uh, but just as a matter of like 
due course, I always have Josh Jackson's stats up in front of me whenever <laughs> we record. Have, just, just because, just, just because I feel like you, ha- you I've, have it I've been as the background a, of your screen. Exactly, I've been <laughs> such a strong proponent. I feel like I, I I'm obligated to do so. But you look back. I mean, let's we'll, we'll leave out November because uh, it wasn't a full month. But in December, he averaged eight point eight points, shot forty eight. Almost forty nine percent from the free throw line, uh, shot eighteen point four percent from three point range, and shot forty point one percent overall. January, excuse me, uh, did I say it was December? Or November? I meant November. December, he was eight point seven points. He was sixty two percent from the line, thirty thirty four. Excuse me, 24 from three-point range and 35% overall. This month so far, 14.5 points, 76% from the free throw line, 39% from three-point range, and 47% overall. So I think those numbers... Yeah, exactly. Those numbers alone show exactly what you're saying, is that he's starting to trend towards that player that we expected him him to be. And, I mean, frankly, 14.5 points... Uh, what do you have? Four and a half boards, two and a, two and a half assists. That's kind of where I, me being a big Jackson proponent, would have thought he'd be throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would never, frankly, to be honest, full disclosure, have imagined he'd shoot thirty nine percent from three point range, forty seven percent overall. Um, and and I'm not saying he's going to keep that up for the remainder of the year, but it it shows exactly what we have in this player. It shows that we have a kid that has the ability to turn into exactly what the Suns thought he would be, what I thought he would be, what a lot of Suns fans thought he would be as the number four pick overall. Uh, and and I love your pick as ja- of Jackson being the next breakout guy. Now, I'll say, I'll disagree with you, because I think Jackson has a bigger breakout coming at some point. I, I feel like Dragon Bender has been really teetering on that line of like finally finding himself he has those games where he comes out and i don't have his stats up because you know well yeah. i don't but he has those games where he comes out and he just you know is a knockdown three-point shooter he's assertive right. he's doing what he needs to do then he has the games where he kind of seems lost in the flow still i i, I think he's trending towards figuring things out and i think sooner rather than later perhaps the next guy to have that breakout is going to be him. Um, and I welcome that because you know, as much as Marquise Chris, before he got hurt, was playing well, I, I've, uh, I'm, I'm kind of wavering on him. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, cause I, think, I think the difference between Bender and Chris to me is desire and caringness. No, because I, th- I think... I think <laughs> Chris cares. It's just there's an innate. It's an IQ. He the, gets compl- basketball. IQ. He gets complacent way too fast. I feel like I feel like he. I feel like there are way more games that you watch and you can sit there and say, Marquise Chris does not look like he cares right now, as opposed to Bender. Even if Bender's having a bad game, I don't. I don't know that I ever watched a game and I thought Bender looks like he doesn't care what's happening right now. And Chris, I mean. Summer league, he was all fat and stuff, and mm. out of weight, out of shape, and 
and he's you know gotten himself back into shape and playing better. But I still feel like he goes through those stints, and maybe it's just lack of maturity because right. Bender played pro ball overseas and right. all that stuff. So he's been he's more accustomed to this. Chris obviously picked up basketball, you know, like recently for all intents and purposes. Yeah, so so maybe it's a matter of that, but it still makes me uh, uncomfortable. I mean, from my perspective, if 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 it was me. <laughs> So you put me in the NBA. <laughs> if it was me and I picked a basketball late in life compared to these other players and I got drafted high and I'm on an NBA team getting legit minutes, I feel like I need Starting to prove myself. Asshole. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't take a playoff. I wouldn't let anybody think I'm taking a playoff. But I think Crystal does that. And, and ultimately maybe... I don't know. I do remember you when you were 8, 19. What does that mean? I took life off then. What's the big deal? I'm doing fine still. <laughs> so, so I see your comparison. Okay. I'm just saying that uh, I also wasn't being paid millions of dollars right. to play a game. So, you know, and, and again, maybe it is something that he eventually grows out of. And, and he's obviously shown, I mean, if we compared what he's doing now to how he looked and how he appeared during summer league, it's obviously leaps and bounds right. of an improvement. Uh, and and maybe he'll keep going on that positive progressive route, but but you know, as we sit here right now, and I had to say, you know, who do I prefer right. on this team between those two guys who came out of the same draft, who for all intents and purposes say, play the same position, mm-hmm. who have fairly similar skill sets. Um, Actually, they're very different. Skill very sets. different. Yeah. Go on. Well, because I mean, when Bender came in. He, he he's a he's a better perimeter defender. Uh, Chris is probably a better like low post defender. Um, Chris has much better athleticism. He you know he's he's much more of an inside dunker kind of guy. I mean yeah he has a bit of an outside shot, whereas Bender has a very good outside shot. And Bender plays, but he's Bender also has court vision, much be, much better passer. So I, I look you know it's like. When I say when I say similar skill sets, let me mm-hmm. let me let me clarify. I'm saying that both these guys, like you're not going to sit there and go, one is strictly a stretch four, one is strictly a defending four, right. one is strictly a down low four, or five, however you want to mm-hmm. you know classify them. Um, I'm saying that both guys are going to look to score from the outside. Both are going to be expected to play defense in a certain you know. Positively, have a positive defensive presence. Whether that, you know, albeit they might be a little bit different, whether it's perimeter or more of a post thing. Right. But I'm looking at more from the perspective of offensive capability. You're not going to sit there and go, Bender gives us a better inside presence right. than Chris. Chris and well, maybe Bender gives us a better outside presence than Chris. But they both are going to take shots inside, take shots outside at relatively the same rate. I have no statistical reason to back it up, <laughs> but that's based on my own observation. Yeah. I mean, I just look at it when I see them on the court. I I still feel that they both still kind of have a deer in the headlights ishness to them a little bit. But it's to me, it it's more like I look at Bender's eyes and I just see the dreaminess. Mm-hmm. But it's more like I like see. Like you find his eyes dreamy? I find or his eyes dreamy, yeah. I mean, he's checking. a good looking guy. 
But you see his player profile picture where he's doing like the people's eyebrow? No, I haven't. Oh yeah, dude, he's rocking like out. the rock people's eyebrow. It's but amazing. I see, I see that Bender can put it all together mentally. Like there's, mm-hmm. a, it's just, it's there. He just hasn't hasn't all clicked together. Whereas I'm not sure it's there with Chris. Chris has athleticism. He has you know power. He just doesn't have the. It's a little Michael Beasley-ish. Mm. It's not Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley is an extreme. But Thank God. But it's just kind of, like you said, that lackadaisicalness. Right. The, like, not really fully formulating the play and how things are right. working and whatnot. But I, I don't know how much it is just lack of experience. And he just doesn't have the reps versus he just doesn't have the inherent basketball IQ to, like, to see the see how it all flows together and right. i bender sees how it flows together he just has he has a tentativeness that he has to get over that he just hasn't yet outside of that three-point shot well and here's a last point on this because again you're way off not right planned at all but i'm mix <laughs> at least we're still talking about the suns so but uh i i agree obviously with the the, the chris assessment and the lack of lackadaisicalness um but I feel like when he's engaged, he has, like, maybe to a fault, a very high level of confidence, right? Oh, yeah. I wish Bender just had that confidence all the time. Because you can still see in, yeah. Put your hands together. And right, exactly. Player. Just, just yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can we just, like, merge them into one guy? Like, like the fly? Put right. him in that, like, Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> the fly. There you go. Great, great 80s movie reference. Um... I, I feel like um, Bender has the – his development is further along, but what gets in his way is that tentativeness. Yeah. Because you see him hesitate on shots. Yeah. You know, you see him, you see him pass up an open shot because he missed a couple before to right. pass it away. Whereas right. He doesn't know how to forget the previous Marquise shot. Chris is not going to pass up a shot if he thinks he should take the shot. Right. As long as he's paying attention and engaged in the game. Yeah. So – I, I think that both those guys, you know, in that regard, they both have room to grow. Hopefully they both grow to the point where Chris develops the skill set and where Bender develops the confidence. I mean, I, I almost look at, like, what did I say, what, a year and a half ago when Booker was just struggling, yeah. right? Let's, all of a sudden fans try to forget about that, but he went through a time when there was a lack in confidence in his game. Right. And I see a lot of the same in Bender. And I'll point out right now, too, that after I discussed that on this podcast, Booker turned it around. So I'm pretty sure maybe I just fixed Bender, too. We'll find out. We'll see. Dragon, listen. It's on you now. Listen, bro. Listen. <laughs> okay. So. But, I mean, last point. I, think I already said that. My last point. <laughs> my last point is I think even, like, to this day, at this point in time, if I had to choose between the two of them, I'm still picking Bender. Right. Right now. I think I said that too. Uh, but so you're just I, agreeing with me? I'm just agreeing with you. Fair enough. I don't, I'm not going to fault you for agreeing with me because that's usually a good idea. Like, okay, like 20% of the time and it's a good idea. This can actually possibly segue into something that is on the rundown. What is that? So we've been looking, everybody's in on the draft about the idea of like a Luka Doncic or a Trey, uh, Trey Young or maybe even a Colin Sexton. Um, coming in to be that point guard. Mm-hmm. 
And because part of it's also you kind of look around the league and like, what are the options? Like, mm-hmm. Who's out there? Who who and who could the Suns even get? Who do they who would they even want? I mean, there's obviously there's been the talk of Kemba Walker. That, yeah, I'm not I'm not I mean, interested. Okay, can He's I, a fine player. May I interject? He is a fine player, but and I pointed this out on Twitter the other day. If He's anybody fine. out there complained about. Eric Bledsoe not being on the timeline, then shut your mouth about Kemba Walker because <laughs> he's five months younger. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think, I don't think he's, he's, he's a scorer. I, yeah. I, I, I still feel like, you know, people are going to disagree with this. If I had to choose on this team, I would take, you know, full, fully engaged and not, you know, Errol Watsoning it. I would take Eric Bledsoe over Kemba Walker. But that being said, the bottom line is, if you complain about the timeline and Eric Bledsoe, then you should not be saying the Sun should trade for Kemba Walker. Right, right. That's that's just people, that's, in my opinion, that's just Suns fans being desperate for that that second guy. And just being like, oh, he's on the block, we should get him. Right. And like, whether that really fits who we who the team is who we want the team to be who where we see the team going but a couple other players that might be available one of them might be available we might be able to pry it prime away and it may not cost us nearly as much as a Kemba Walker and fits in the timeline is there's a couple of players over on the nets a little Spencer Dinwiddie or our good friend from uh, formerly of the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, uh, D'Angelo Russell. You're looking at a Nets team right now who Russell's been injured. They also have Jeremy Lin, who's, I think he's out for the season, but he's on a contract for another, at least another year. They've got these two young guys who all, three guys who all play the point guard position. They're overloaded at that position. You're going to have to unload one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an opportunity for the Suns to be able to swoop in there and possibly bring in either Dinwiddie or Russell and fill that that point guard void that we have with right. a guy who's on the timeline who has room to grow. In, in D'Angelo Russell, we have a guy who's also a scorer like Booker, but I think would complement Booker well because he doesn't he's not as ball dom- he doesn't need to be as ball dominant. So to allow Booker to still do some, a lot of the playmaking. Right. Spencer Dinwiddie, he's still evolving, but he's a very good point guard. He's been great scorer, great distributor for the for the Nets, who have exceeded expectations this year. I think I think there there's an opportunity there to get one of those guys for not too much. And to bring it back to why I said this is a good transition in my brain, a reasonable trade for one of those guys would be Marquise Chris, and maybe one of our later like later picks like the Miami pick mm-hmm. which is not very valuable right now or the um potentially the Milwaukee pick. I think just those two assets could get one of those guys because the Nets don't have picks so they'd be very happy to take a pick and they don't have any power forwards on their team. You literally look at their roster, there's not a single power forward on that team. No. So bringing in a young power forward who could develop and all they have to do is shed one of their point guards, mm-hmm. who, who they have an abundance of. I think it's a I think it's a good trade match for both teams, 
both in the short term and the long term. And it would allow the Suns to then go into the draft, really focus on the bigs and really shore up that center spot where there's four or five guys that could really fit the mold of what the Suns need. Right. Now, rather than hoping for one of those point guards. Now, do you... I mean, in light of the fact that the Nets, you know, obviously made a big splash to get D'Angelo Russell, do you think they would trade him, though? I mean, I, I, I feel like if you're talking that, like, we have to be talking about Spencer Dinwiddie. It, it, I think it might, a lot of it might depend on how the rest of the season goes, because I don't think that... I don't think the Nets are married to Russell. I mean, they, t- they took on the Timothy... They didn't give up a lot for him. That's a good point. They they took they took on, on the, a bad contract. Took on a bad contract to take a flyer on a guy who has played well for them, but again, they're they're crowded at the position, so they they kind of need to make a choice because Russell's coming up on extension this summer. Whether he would get it, I don't know if he would warrant getting an extension this summer based on being traded mm-hmm. and being hurt this season as much as he has and. I don't know Spencer uh, Dinwiddie's contract situation. He's got he's signed through nineteen million. Have he's on his rookie deal? He's on his rookie deal. Yeah, I mean, I knew he's on his rookie deal, but I didn't know how many years are left. One, one. So he's on the same. It's on. It's on the same level. They're they're the same class. So either one of them, I think, could could fit. So I I wouldn't hate either one of those guys coming to the Suns. I and I honestly I don't want one over the other. I think they both have pluses and minuses. I think if you're going to say one or the other, I feel like, uh, you know, D'Angelo is the answer because then that just means the Suns will get cat at some point. Right. Because I, yeah. <laughs> we're just going to recreate the Kentucky Wildcats in Phoenix. Except D'Angelo Russell didn't play for the Wildcats. Oh, shit. My bad. <laughs> but they, they were all... But you know what I that, meant. They were they, all in that... They're all homeboys is what I meant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell and, and and Booker are buddies. Yeah. And and obviously then they also have that connection with Cat. So yeah. Ohio State, Kentucky, it's like on the Midwest though, so as far as Arizonans just, go, it's all the same. Just a lot of wheat and corn. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you sell where I was going with that. <laughs> um no, I'm not you know, I'm not gonna I I, I don't know. I D'Angelo Russell, I, I see that. Like if if that becomes an option if that's a potential trade. And when I say that, I mean like the assets you're saying give up. I'm interested. Spencer Dinwiddie, I'm not all that sold on. But again, well, like I told I mean, you before we start recording, for I haven't really paid attention to him since uh, he was at, you know, I'm going to say Washington. Now all of a sudden I'm worried that I'm wrong about that too. Colorado, same difference, Pac-12. See, I knew yeah. he was one of those Pac-12 teams. But uh, no, I, you know, if if it gives if it gives us the, us the option to put somebody at the one that's better than, no offense, Tyler Eulis. Yeah. Um, and depending on where the Suns' draft pick falls this year, and it, it means that they have an opportunity to get, you know, one of the one of the bigs that are there. Because you know, as much as I'm a big fan of Trey Young, as much as I'm a fan of Colin Sexton, uh, and I think. The idea of drafting Aiton's probably going to require us to be one or two. Um, if it's Aiton, if it's Bamba, who I'm not as high on, but defensively, I feel like he, he he's still you know a very solid player to take. Or even um, you know Bagley, who can stretch it out and play four or five, what have you. 
great. Yeah. And, and frankly, even if we get one of those three guys in the draft and we still have Tyler Eulis as our point guard, I still think it's fantastic because <laughs> one of those three guys, um, well, let me take Bamba out of that equation then. Yeah. But if it's if it's an Aiton or a Bagley um, or, you know, if we're there, you know, Doncic, which then takes out the whole issue of the point guard to some extent because right. you can have Booker and him playing kind of the playmaking guard. Yeah, and combine their skills to become like the with our powers combined, we are one full point guard, yet way better Captain offensively. Planet. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm all for that. I, I, I still say that. I, I think. Well, it, he's getting a lot of credit for doing what he's doing. I don't think DeAndre Ayton's still getting enough credit in terms of how good he is. Like, I think he is are, are generational. You, so, so, are you seeing him similar to? Um, Towns when he came out of Kentucky where he's playing a role in that system but his actual skill set is far, far beyond greater. that yeah I mean um, the thing about Aiton is and we talked about this before at least before we started recording is I, I don't remember seeing a big in college that has the polish that he has down low right and at the same time, what I think gets lost in a lot of people is that the kid can also shoot the ball. Like He can step out and hit three-pointers. He just doesn't do it because there's no need for him to do it at U of A. Right. But if you go back and you look at you know his uh, film from when he was in high school and even in some of the games with U of A, I mean, he has the ability to hit that shot. It's not like – I mean, I look at let's look at Channing Frye as an example. Yeah. When he was at U of A, he was a center. When he got to the NBA, he was you know, he was a stretch four slash five, but he wasn't, he wasn't a stretch really four a stretch until he when he st- exactly exactly he wasn't he didn't have that ability to shoot that four, that that three pointer until he developed it. Aiton has it already, and as he progresses along in his career, I, I really think he's going to become, frankly, one of the more rounded inside outside threats that we're ever going to see in the NBA, and I'm talking like really big right now <laughs> and maybe i'll be wrong but i mean based on where he is already and he's also another kid that didn't exactly pick up basketball at a very young age um you know moved to arizona from the bahamas a couple of years back and i i think he has a ton of room to grow and i mean his size and length too god i love that guy <laughs> can the suns just draft him let's just let's forget everything we just talked about and just say the suns should draft him okay so, all right. What else, Paul? I don't know. Do we have anything left on the rundown that we skipped we talked over? about? We talked about Booker and him ending up uh, fourth amongst player votings. In yeah, the that's, that's a good sign. Yeah. I, I, really, I really like to see that. I think that from a um, long-term perspective, I think that can really help the Suns because good players want to play with good players, mm-hmm. and they recognize that Booker as one of those players so when it is time for guys to consider moving on to another team they're gonna that pool of who they would consider being joining the Suns are in that pool because they have that other guy already there right and while Booker's not getting the you know positive publicity that he should be getting from the pundits out there I mean, the, that, that player voting shows that he has the respect of the players. And, I mean, we look at some of the guys who have said publicly 
been quoted saying positive things about Devin Booker. You've got LeBron James, you know, a few years back or a couple years back saying that, you know, he's going to be an all-star in the league. You've got Dwayne Wade saying that he sees him as a future top two guard in the league. You've got Kobe Bryant, who said something to the effect of, you know, the, the one of the first games they played against each other, like the first thing Devin Booker do, did was get the ball in the post against Kobe and use Kobe's own move against him, which he said he loved because he did the same thing against MJ. And, and you know, you've got Kevin Durant uh, saying on, on your boy, Bill Simmons' <laughs> podcast, that he wanted uh, Devin Booker boy. in OKC. No, <laughs> not my boy at all. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, player voting aside, you have four guys who are obviously held in very high esteem by NBA players who have said very, very positive things about Devin Booker. And, I mean, you combine that with maybe the opportunity to get, whether it's, you know, a, if a trade for D'Angelo Russell can be a possibility, or forget that, even just getting one other top-tier guy in a draft that's very, very, very well-suited for a top-five pick and say you're combining Devin Booker's talent with the talent that's already on the team with this talent that then gets added through the draft – it makes the Suns, maybe we get back to that point where we were in 92 and 93 and the early 90s and mid-90s where players said, you know what, I'll take less money go to Phoenix. We've got like Danny Manning who came to Phoenix um, of a free agent contract when he was probably when he was wanted elsewhere. Um, you've got guys that make Phoenix a destination. And plus, we have James Jones saying Robert Sarver gets a bad rap. So... so. <laughs> Well, and James Jones is another guy who's very well, well respected in the league. So I mean, I just look at it, think about it. The Suns have been able to get into those, get those meetings with the big guys, mm-hmm. with the big free agents. They've been able to get in now. the room, and p- part of the reason they haven't been able to close, in my opinion, is they didn't have that generational star, right? To that this guy's coming in to pair with, like right. the, nobody wants to be the first guy, right? So, and like, yeah, we had Bledsoe, yeah, we had Knight. Yeah, we had guys who were. Sorry, you just throw Knight into the conversation. When, when they were when they were pitching, Knight was in the room when they were pitching Aldridge. He was part of the pro, he was part of that team. Yeah, they also signed a guy to to. <laughs> right. So it shows how much weight Knight carried. But go on. Right. right. But I mean, it's like th- that they had these guys who they were bringing into the room who were that second tier at best mm-hmm. of player in the league. So the guy who was coming in was coming going to come in to be the leader, be the star. Right. We have that. Right. We have that guy. So now you're coming to join something that can be good. You know, you're right. co- coming to be an accent. Right. I feel like we can succinctly say it as this. Three years ago, was it? Three years ago, they signed Tyson Chandler so that Tyson Chandler could come into that LaMarcus Aldridge meeting and right. hopefully get Tyson Chandler or excuse me, LaMarcus Aldridge to come to the Suns. Right. The Suns now have a player that we don't need to go out and sign somebody to try to get another player to come in. Right. We have that kid. We have that young player. We have the generational talent. That's right. Yeah. Called them generational talent. That can help entice those guys without saying, oh, look, we're getting somebody else outside of our system. And again, as long as if, – if – the next breakout is Josh Jackson. If the next breakout is Devin Dragonbender or Devin Booker again. <laughs> if the next breakout is Marquise Chris. If the next breakout is 
whoever. Tyler Ulis. Tyler Ulis. <laughs> Tyler Ulis. Yeah, you know what? Tyler Ulis, listen to this podcast and get fired up, boy. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> um, if one of those guys becomes that next breakout, then that just makes that pitch that much easier. And I don't know about you, Paul, but I feel so much better about the Suns than I felt like 47 and a half minutes ago. I feel, <laughs> I feel fantastic. You didn't feel good about him 47 and a half minutes ago? No, I felt great. I just feel so much better now. <laughs> Ah, oh, if there's if there's anything besides the euphoria of talking sons. blind hope <laughs> that uh, can get us Suns fans along. So, all right. Well, I feel like we've now covered the entire rundown, plus other things, and we've perhaps exceeded our previous record of podcast length by what are we looking 15 at? minutes, almost 50 minutes, Paul. Oh, wow. This is so do much we fun. we go for the full hour? We, or get, we, we get, didn't be stretching it out. We were just going to sit here and talk about random stuff then. Uh, we can go back to our conversation about Chris Hardwick. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that one's maybe a little too too off topic. We get really personal. Chris, is Chris Hardwick a Suns fan? No, he, he hates sports. Oh, okay, well then he's out. Sorry, Chris Hardwick. Um, unless you can find yet another tangent to throw us on for the next 12, 11 minutes and. 26 seconds no I, th- I think i'm okay i feel like that's probably a good choice okay, yeah that's a very good choice so um as always you can catch me on twitter at so says jay and paul at dervish of world and what's the other one? Oh, uh fan the flames nba at fan the flames nba that is the newly minted twitter account which i think we've tweeted from like four times yeah i get i i I, I, do we I, I, just send like the same tweets from both? Like, <laughs> is that how we should do it? I feel like I, I feel like Tim does that in Solar Panel. They do that, I, right, guys? I think he, he does talk, that. Dave does I'll that sometimes. That. Right. We gotta ask him how they do that. We'll just inundate <laughs> inundate everybody with like our our thought. Maybe I'll maybe, set up maybe. a third one and just start randomly like sending burner stuff accounts, out. man. Burner accounts. You and your burner accounts. <laughs> so, um, but again, you can catch us on Twitter. Thoughts, comments, questions, comment section Easy. below. Um, <laughs> Well, probably, you know what we should do sometime in the not too distant future? We did last year as a, uh, uh, like a mailbag. Coming up on a mailbag? Yeah. We're getting close to All-Star. I mean, that's a good time to do it. Right. All-Star, trade deadline, all that kind yeah. of stuff coming up. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, save you all the... If you want to throw questions in, in the comments yeah, as it sure. is now, for sure. feel free. And if we see something we like, we'll be more than happy to talk about it on the show. And if we don't talk about it, that means we didn't like it. So, sorry. Yeah, that was me. That was exactly rude. I apologize. I'm I'm a jerk. All right. Well, they've known this for well over a year. That's true. Okay. So, uh, as always, they use worse words than that. As always, <laughs> that's true. Um, as always, thank you for listening. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, have a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Just